Greetings. This is the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'm joined, as usual, by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael. Oft debate things. Um, often the most ubiquitous four items of any given topic. And this week is no different as they debate the Mount Rushmore of looking back. Maybe that shouldn't have won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, this was Michael's topic. But joining us is somebody else on the line. Who are you joining us? <laughs> My name is Eric Anderson uh, with Awards Watch. What is Awards Watch, Eric? Uh, well, uh, self-professed, but uh, the best awards prediction on the web. So I really focus. Uh, heavily... So these are like the Heisman, the Heisman Trophy. This is like uh, the <laughs> is, National is, Barbershop Quartet is, Awards. Is that, a, is that a sports thing? Because I don't know. That's that's what <laughs> yeah. I, I don't the Amer- <laughs> American American Kennel Club Awards. Oh, it's entertainment. Is that correct? It is. Yes. Uh, yeah, so I, I track and predict uh, the Oscars throughout the year, um, and not just during the season, but like I'm already I already have my list for next year, and and, Whoa. We're, not, and we're not even done with with uh, uh, the Oscars for this year. So he's there's... like, you're like <laughs> Nate Silver in Five Thirty Eight, but for like Oscars. Yeah, and he actually did that uh, a couple of years, but uh, poorly. So I don't know. <laughs> Burn. Burn, yeah. take that, Nate Silver. Eric, <laughs> we, we want to reiterate many times during this podcast where folks can find you on the different social platforms. So where, where would we go first? Absolutely. You can start with uh, awardswatch.com, which is the website. And outside of that, in social media land, uh, Twitter is at awards underscore watch. And then Facebook and Instagram, just awards watch. Cool. Hey, hey Eric, I got a question for you before sure. we get going. So. Okay. Uh, kind of relating to this topic, it's not always the best picture that wins best picture. I think that we're going to kind of get into that as we go through some of these picks. In your opinion, what are some of the other factors that make a movie win a best picture, even if it's not necessarily the best picture of the year? You know, I know you're asking this for Eric, but Michael, <laughs> you brought this up as a topic. So is this a curiosity to you as well before we hear from the real expert? No, in no way. Okay. I, I, had, I, had, I had two... Uh, different reasons for uh, selecting this one. Uh, the first one kind of stems back to uh, a, a more personal thing is um, about eight, nine years ago, I went to an Oscar awards watching party at our friend Evan's house. And in his backyard, he had set up a, uh, like a dozen televisions, like old CRTs that he got from like Craigslist or something, tarped off his entire backyard and turned it into an Oscar food fight watching party because Evan, I believe he listens to this podcast. He loves movies, but he doesn't like any movie. So the, <laughs> so the entire, the entire awards show turned into like a cavalcade of throwing eggs and food and meat and, uh, you know, various, uh, uh, uh bananas and stuff mm-hmm. at the TVs, often breaking them, uh, uh, as soon as something didn't win that he thought should have won. Cream uh. pies, I see. That's also one of the places where I met my uh, now wife. Oh, yeah. So you won. <laughs> the, I think Richard was getting to the fallibility of this system. Right. Or the, Yeah, and the fact that there is, I don't want to say gaming the system, but the way that, you know, for example, I know that for Best Picture, it's the only one that every member of the Academy votes for, not necessarily it's the, you know, where cinematographers vote for cinematography or what have you. That's just so for it, nominations. That's just for nominations. Okay, good. I'm yeah. glad I. I'm glad I. Uh, glad I got that. So, how does that play? How does that play in the fact that you might see something get nominated, that the nominations may not necessarily reflect 
what the voting is going to be for the picture itself, if that well, makes sense. Because some of the some of these categories in the in the the technicals like cinematography or whatever, uh, the branches for each of those can be pretty small. Uh, sometimes like a hundred people. Uh, so the threshold of getting a nomination is really really small, versus uh, like the acting branch, which is the largest, and then uh, best picture itself, which everybody gets to vote for. And there's now seventy two hundred people. So it's it's just a matter of hitting the the threshold, but a, you know smaller guilds, uh, that's how you can get some kind of really left field nominations. Um, sometimes the director's branch uh, it can be really eclectic. Uh, they were a little more uh, before the best picture expansion, and you get these really great uh, lone director nominations like uh, David Lynch for Mulholland Drive or something like that. Right. So. All right. So uh, thank you so much for en endeavoring to do a little bit of looking forward. Um, and we're going to do some more looking forward to this year's uh, Academy Awards. But uh, I think we're going to shift gears and kind of look backward at the category, which was, um, of course, uh, the Mount Rushmore of looking back. Maybe that shouldn't have won the Academy Award for Best Picture. And I would love to, while uh, Michael and Richard endeavor to best you, Eric, Anderson, <laughs> I would love to also kind of analyze as we go along the reason why these uh, films won, even though perhaps they shouldn't have. So uh, it is uh, your opportunity, Eric, because you are our guest and uh, we have um, home field advantage for you to go first. So uh, if you could just start us off here and give us your first choice for the Mount Rushmore of looking back, maybe that shouldn't have won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Um, all right. The, the, it, it, it's going to sound pretty, pretty obvious probably. Um, but my, my, my all time in this category will always be, I can't imagine it, it changing anytime soon, uh, will be crash beating Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. yeah that's also, also on our list. list. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and I know that's I, an, an I think everybody's screaming. Yeah. I have everybody... like 15 choices. I'm like, I could pick from any of these. But like, <laughs> no. Everyone screaming at their podcast uh, at their at their iPhone saying, "Yeah, that was mine. Yeah, that was mine." <laughs> but it's it's. I mean, and to be clear, because there's a lot of things you know that that you can look at it like this. There's there's plenty of movies that I could be like, you know, I wish L.A. Confidential had won instead of Titanic. Um, but I you know I I look at that like how much of this is my personal bias that you know this was the movie I liked versus the movie that I didn't like. Um, but I. I think in looking at something like this, and at least this is how I'm coming from it, um, I'm I'm looking at winners in comparison to the other films nominated, and external factors as to maybe why it won, as well as why. What would I those external factors be? So for for, to, for for me, uh, and it, it it's it's twofold. One is. Uh, something that is very internal and very, you know, like precursor based. And that was the fact that, uh, uh, th that was when like DVD screeners really blew up and became an important factor in, uh, awards voting. And, you know, in the old days of, of voting for Oscars and, and everything, yeah, I had to really go to screenings and go to the movies to see the movies. Um, and the, even the Oscars used to be much later. They were in the end of March and they were in mid-April 
because you needed time to go and see the movies. And movies were also in theaters much longer than they are now. Um, but the, the advent of DVD screeners made things more efficient, but it also shortened the, the window. Um, and Lionsgate sent out uh, 100,000 copies of Crash to the entire SAG committee. And SAG being Screen Actors Guild. And right. it won the the SAG cast uh, prize at, at, at the Screen Actors Guild. And that wasn't a huge, huge shock in and of itself because the film has a big cast and, and it's, it, it made a lot of sense. Uh, but then, you know, Brokeback came in and won, you know, the Golden Globe and PGA and DGA and just kind of... Hit, hit everything that it needed to hit uh, in a very traditional Oscar race. Um, it was actually a huge box office hit. Um, it was a breakthrough for uh, a gay film. And so everybody was like, okay, cool. So this is, this is like when this is going to happen. You know, a, a gay film will win Best Picture for the first time. And then the seeds of... Uh, of... I don't know what to call it, really. Um, <laughs> like a backlash, so to speak. Yes, really started happening. Uh, and this is the the more, I guess, external elements uh, happened when you had some very uh, vocal, older Academy members like Tony Curtis and Ernest Borgnine uh, talking about Brokeback Mountain like, you know, John Wayne would roll over in his grave and this is really horrible and I would never vote for a movie like this. Um, and when you have that kind of conversation going, that's the kind of thing that, that, un, that is able to unseat someone that is hmm. potentially a front runner. Um, so there were, there were definitely, uh, factors involved in this that were, uh, very, very smart, uh, internal marketing with the screeners and stuff and the visibility because visibility is key. Uh, and then external things like, morals and personal opinion not to mention the fact that the academy at least used to and they're trying to get away from this uh is has been pretty famous for thinking it's dealing with a certain topic uh, a certain social relevance and then kind of washing their hands of it and going okay we're good we, we were, solved racism guys we solved racism <laughs> by yeah. getting Crash best picture because I don't, I don't know if you guys know this, but that's what the movie's about. Oh. And then, that, that racism is bad. Oh. And there's also a lot of racism in L.A. Oh. And if you, if I could scream that in all caps without blowing out their <laughs> listeners' eardrums, I would do that. It was like a non-ironic version of Avenue Q's uh, "Everyone Is Racist." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I, 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 I read something on the Owl, the Owl uh, website where they they said it was a PowerPoint presentation posturing as insight. Oh. I oh. thought that was also a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, synopsis of of how advanced their uh, their take on on racial relations in the aughts was. Absolutely, I think, I think a lot of movies that do win Best Picture, you can think back. Like I ha- I I saw this movie for whatever reason. Maybe I saw it on a screener. I don't know, um, but like I couldn't tell you one thing about the plot other than. Something happened. Matt Dillon's a bad cop. Yeah, that's uh, that's about like I can't, I don't remember. But then the he movie. becomes a good cop by saving the black lady. So the one that he just molested, like felt up, like 
yes. 20 minutes earlier. That one. Yeah. The other the other movies that were nominated that year, um, Brokeback and Capote and Good Night and Good Luck and Munich. Like I have like. I don't know. I, I, I can remember. The, I remember those. I don't remember Crash at all for any of its plot points. <laughs> you know, I when, except except for the part where like James Spader rolled his car over and different over. Different Crash. No, that's a, <laughs> Wait, that's no. a different. <laughs> that's the Roseanne I'm Arquette. Pretty, I'm pretty sure. Was Roseanne Arquette in it? Okay, so okay, that's, that's a, a different, different movie. It's a different movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so when Oscar Oscar's turning ninety this year, or was it last year? This year is, is it. If, if this, if we had an individual who was ninety years old, would they behave the way Oscar does? So, if it's somebody who has outmoded ideas, who gets around to acknowledging um, the broader spectrum of human behavior about ten years past when they need to, and and then what what I think is is interesting is when there's this pendulum behavior. Like, was um, was Brokeback even acknowledged? By some people in the perhaps the voting committee, or they were uh, because they felt bad because of some other uh, um, thing that they overlooked, like uh, like you know when Martin Scorsese gets a an Oscar for The Departed, when we really meant to give it to him uh, for Goodfellas, for Goodfellas, or or for <laughs> Taxi Driver, or for Raging Bull, you know, is what one thing I see. Oscar is sometimes being like, say, my father. <laughs> You're slightly racist, slightly <laughs> sli- homophobic, yeah. like an uncle or something yeah, like that. Who, yeah. who eventually did the right thing, but it was usually after a bunch of tears <laughs> and after you know um, making some mistakes or whatever. A well-intentioned older relative. Is what he Oscar spent a night was. drinking at the Golden Globes and then he made the right <laughs> yeah. choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm interested in looking out to see if there's some example for... Um, when Oscar does something wrong to fix another wrong in a moment where huh. oh, that's interesting. it's a, it's a, the Oscar is a bandaid and it's not the right thing, but it's, it's trying to fix something. That's the wrong thing. Hmm. So you guys, did you justify why you didn't like this choice? Was it the same thing? Eric? I th- yeah. I think it's pretty close to what Eric had. I mean, first off, it's a really bad movie. <laughs> like it's not like, well, it's got some redeeming qualities and maybe there's some, it's, and some of these, some of them on our list are like, Movies aren't even necessarily bad movies. Mm -hmm. They're just when you look at it in context of what else was available to pick from that year, it becomes kind of a weird choice. Well, this is just this is just not a good movie. I I think Crash fits into that category of just like a a kind of a like a a social justice patting themselves on the back sort of thing. Like Oscar tends to us. I I just referred to Oscar as a a person. Yeah. Uh, The Academy Awards people that nominate them tend to like vote for movies and vote for like best pictures when they fill a certain category. Sometimes it's like a big musical or like a big sweeping cinematic drama and, or if it like puts Hollywood in a good light, like if it has like some of those qualities, sometimes they kind of just get bumped up like in the eyes of the voters because they're these things, they're recognizable uh, little things that you can kind of cling on to and be like, Oh yeah, I know what a really well done musical is. And God, it's such a it's such a masterpiece to put that together when it's like, well, there might have been another picture that was better. Or like if it's like a big like Dances with Wolves. I, I don't remember it being like a film that was great, but it was sweeping and, uh, you know, it's epic in scale. Yes. Epic in scale is the mm-hmm. perfect way to put it. But like I think sometimes there is a it seems that there is like a voting block or that gets kind of swept up into grandiosity of something and then. 
it kind of just rides rides out all the way to the end. I think that kind of ties into Jeff. If we may jump to our second choice. Oh sure. Yep. Um, you, I then know Michael, you have a, a little bit of a not personal history with Oliver. Uh, yeah, I know for... that's something that was your choice. And by the way, we should say it with the exclamation point, Oliver. Oliver. Yes. Uh, from 1968. Like adapted. mother. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> adapted from the 1960 uh, Broadway musical. Adapted, of course, from. Uh, I don't know, some guy wrote it eh, back in the day. Yeah. yeah, it was whatever. Um, the movies that it beat out that year were Funny Girl, also adapted from a stage musical. Lion in Winter, adapted from a Broadway play. Romeo and Juliet, adapted from Billy Shakespeare. And um, Rochelle Rochelle, adapted from some book. But the thing that wasn't even nominated for Best Picture that year was 2001, A Space Odyssey, oh, yeah. which is kind of looked upon now, you know, as one of the greatest cinematic triumphs ever, ever, period. It, it was, of course, of course, that was too adopted from a, a short story. True. So 1968 was all about uh, well, adaptions. It, there's Rosemary's Baby, which was also, I believe. Mm-hmm. Oh, did that come out that year too? Yeah, it was also Rosemary's Baby, which yeah. was all adapted by yeah. something else. It is. It is amazing that you can almost go through and make a better. Best Picture five out of the ones that weren't nominated. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've got. I, I looked in this. You had two thousand one. You had the Odd Couple. You had Rosemary's Baby. You had the producers, mm. and you had uh, the original Planet of the Apes, and also the original Night of the Living Dead. Although that was never going to get nominated in mm-hmm. a billion years. But your this was a f- favorite in your family, right? Yeah, Michael? my my dad loves. My dad's a stage actor. Loves a good musical, and uh, he will. He will sing bits and pieces from Oliver, all. <laughs> like oh, every almost every time I see him, um, he loves um, just every aspect. So of he it. was around when they actually sent thirty-five millimeter prints out to people to vote. <laughs> Please consider this. Loop, they, loop this up in your. They would <laughs> actually just send the cast out there to act out key scenes. That's how long ago. Looking it was. around, Folks, Oliver, um, of course, like, Mid- but, but, Midnight Cowboys the next year, but in the heat of the night and A Man for All Seasons were the think pieces that that they chose the two years before. It almost seems like, I feel like Hollywood does this. Um, ultimately, I think Hollywood gives a best actor or a best picture award to Hollywood. Yes. And it, it's it's a pat on the back for making um, these uh, photon capturing celluloid things that go out and spread culture throughout the world and reward it for the type of culture that it wants to uh, represent. And A Man for All Seasons, I think that was a Pulitzer-winning play or something right. like that. And Heat of the Night, um, it seems seems like that was two years where they felt like they were making uh, s- delivering a message. And then, where '65 was the Sound of Music, <laughs> like they, so you felt like there was a couple of years where they went heavy and they went, "Whoa, we gotta we gotta lighten the lighten it." Yeah. Up a little. Well, it's weird because it's not even the best musical. That was uh, released, in yeah. my opinion, that year. I think Funny Girl is a better musical than Oliver was. Uh-huh. I mean, I've I know I've seen Oliver, and like you with Crash, Michael, I have no recollection of anything that happened in Oliver. I kind of like like it. it's just a blank slate for me. If I, if you showed me a scene, I'd go, yeah, that looks like Oliver. Hmm. I, I I think it would be an interesting test if you were to put up if if you were to like hold up two flashcards and say, okay, which movie won the Best Picture for 1968, and say Oliver. Or wait, sorry, Oliver. <laughs> or you said two thousand one, a space odyssey. I, what percentage of people would choose that? I mean, I would say eighty percent higher than that would, you know, there would be people that either knew or would just, you know, be contrarian. But it's baffling that a movie like that didn't. I, maybe it was too new, or maybe it was too 
advanced or yeah. too, too Has on the cutting edge. Because like sci-fi is still a genre, and I feel like genre pictures, even though a musical is also a genre. It's so strange to think of that movie as sci-fi. It does, like in terms of what we think of sci-fi now. I think of something science fiction as fantastical. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think of something that is science. Like it's sciencey. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I the mean, technology wasn't the main message in 2001. It was right. about man's journey through the universe. Yeah. So it's very strange to be like, oh, this was just... But maybe that's what it was back in 1968. It was like, oh, this is just a genre pick. But uh-huh. it was like, uh, what other movies are like this? Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to... If, if I can jump in. Please do. Um, please I, 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 I actually love that you picked Oliver because there's, there's something really fantastic about that year and that era um it, this was the last musical to win best picture until uh chicago um and this was coming after you know quite a few decades where musicals did really really well um and i love that you mentioned that right before that was in the heat of the night right after that was midnight cowboy and the pendulum swing uh between those three years is extraordinary and this was a huge, huge turning point in in movies in general. Um, everything had been relatively safe and family friendly, um, and with this, we kind of started getting into the '70s, uh, which completely blew the door open with uh, you know the levels of. Uh, violence that you could show and sex and profanity and all of these things and it was just this kind of watershed and Oliver exists as this really strange it's like a like a Hummel figure like in your grandma's house (laughs) where it's an example of like this this time gone by and it's I I don't hate the movie um, but it is it is a strange win um and like you all said too when you look at the five pictures that were nominated and then look at the things that weren't that could have been replaced if it was just a few years later we would we would have seen a very different uh lineup and Mm -hmm. and something like oliver not not winning um so there are there are fewer more important things than than time and place when you're when you're looking at uh, at the Oscars and the end of the '60s was was this you know final salvo of uh, uh, ethics codes of what you could do and then like I said the '70s just broke it all apart and God, that put I, that puts into a really good context yeah I yeah. imagine they think we're just fighting off Easy Rider and all these other raging bulls and uh, people that uh, the studio system falling apart and just Hollywood yes. trying to kind of uh, do triage. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what's your second choice, Eric? Uh, you you mentioned this uh, briefly a little bit earlier, and again, this is just going to be one of those like no duh. Um, but dances with wolves over uh, over Goodfellas. Uh, oh wow! Okay, nineteen ninety. Um, and I know that's a, that's a pretty, you know, big, like, you know, film bro pick, but <laughs> yeah, something like Dances with Wolves was a gigantic hit, obviously. And, uh, there was, there was still this like reticence about 
giving Martin Scorsese the the best director award or anything mm-hmm. that was really kind of getting there. Um, and it, it sort of comes right in the, the face of, you know, one of his other losses, uh, Ordinary People and Raging Bull. And again, this was uh, an actor turned director first time, um, just like uh, Mel Gibson winning for Braveheart. It wasn't his first, but it was actor turned director. And you you look at those like, okay, here's, again, the largest voting body in the Academy are actors. Uh, and the old adage of, but what I really want to do is direct. And you have these actors looking at other actors directing and having something successful and really uh, kind of pushing that. So there's, there's, a, there's a bit of a, a, a lack of objectivity i think <laughs> right. with 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 some of those wins and and very much with uh something like uh dances with wolves over goodfellas and michael i think this fits into your when you said the big sweeping epic type film yeah I, one that i didn't put on we didn't put on our, on our list was out of africa and i think that's another one that fit into that category of the bones of the film themselves the film itself is not necessarily anything revolutionary it's a pretty straightforward story but it's beautifully shot it's shot in an epic scale and it's something that therefore appeals to a fairly broad range of the uh of the voting block yeah do you really think that the stunt uh when i think of an actor who's also directing i think of a dog in the circus who's trained to walk on his hind legs (laughs) that that's it's not that he's walking (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we can all walk right it's just he's doing it while being a dog and that's such a challenge uh, but i just don't understand how that with us knowing how many and hollywood knowing how many departmental heads there are in films that do all the work <laughs> for you how hard it is to go um help talk to the dp about a shot you know talk to the ad about where the extras are going to be then go on screen and act like kevin costner that doesn't seem that hard really <laughs> But I wonder, I do wonder if this was Dances with Wolves and the affection people had for it was the residual impact left over from the crying Indian pollution PSA. Wow. It feels like white guilt <laughs> was in effect. And if you were a do-gooder and you didn't want to vote for Awakenings because it would be about someone trying to, or medicine and, and innovative medicine and perhaps overcoming a disability, that white guilt was going to have you vote for Dances with Wolves. Am I um, off base? Do we think no? Okay. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I think there's a tremendous amount of of that type of guilt, and and this is what we should do, and this is the right thing to do. Um, it it happens all the time. Crash again is is a a, a parallel example to that. Of, of feeling like well this is this is the right thing to do right now um, and it's it's not that dances with wolves is a bad film this is a different version of of it for me than this it's this is much more a look what it was up against and why um, yeah I think that happens quite often is that you're I don't know like it's funny though because Goodfellas I think is I think we can widely say was the it feels like was the best film of the year not just for like being you know hipster cool guys but also being like 
it was just, it was just so well made and so it had such an impact on movie making going forward and how people um, I don't know it was just like whether it was the soundtrack that had that drove it or just the frantic cutting and everything it was just like it's it's just a masterpiece and entirely rewatchable it feels like a perfect movie yeah in its own for what it was trying to accomplish uh, Eric you did uh, discuss what the majority of the voting body of the Academy Awards is predominantly actors. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I would love to know. Does that include Polly Shore? Like who? Who? <laughs> who's the biggest bonehead idiot who's in that group? <laughs> I don't know, but there's there has to be a lot of them for some of the choices that we've seen. Yeah. So. What? Okay. What if it all came down to Costner? Costner. And we all know that he played the deciding vote in um, what was that movie? Oh, the swing vote. Swing vote. Swing vote, yes. What if swing vote was just based on him casting the deciding vote for Dances with Wolves? Yeah. He's there on every movie, on every best picture, and he's the one that's choosing the ones. Yeah. Every, he's like, yeah, yeah. crash. <laughs> I know what that is. I just love that maybe it's it's uh, Matthew McConaughey. He's not... <laughs> I like that movie with the girl with the big hooters. You know, he just has this Matthew McConaughey way of making his choices that infuriates everyone who's trying to hold Actually out for do real it art. correctly, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Eric, uh, do you have any other reasoning you would like to say to justify that choice? Otherwise, we're going to go to our halftime. Uh, no, I, I think I think that's that's good. And 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 something that that's that's a really interesting thing about looking at at these choices, uh, and especially after a long period of time. Because um, I, I don't really want to look at a couple of years ago and be like, oh, my God, this should have won. Um, and that's the legacy of a film and whether it wins or whether it loses. Um, I know it's easy to pick on Crash, but it has a legacy that is pretty much and will forever be really negative. So, oh, OK, it's that's I I don't think I don't think sometimes voters are are using forethought in in their votes when when they're doing that like how is this going to be re received in in 20 years well mostly because a lot of those voters will be dead by then but i i i i do think that the that the legacy of these choices is i mean it's the reason why we're talking about it right now that's i think that's important so i'm sorry that i'm going to end this with uh just a joke point but maybe the voters maybe the voters like didn't know what they were voting for and split the votes between godfather 3 yeah. and goodfellas they just wrote go and they just scribbled or something it's a hanging chad situation <laughs> yeah. they just marked the x for godfather part 3 yeah. and then just moved along and that just they just got enough votes for that and, and danced with wolves so it was, it was like it was alphabetical and it just sort of <laughs> yeah. blended in i, I could see that Okay, well, that does bring us to our halftime, and uh, we do like to help support other podcasts and share their promos now and again, and here's a promo for one we think you should check out. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Join the geek revolution and save the galaxy. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Want to know more? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Listen to Weeby Geeks podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or online at WeebyGeeks.net. Weeby Geeks, your voice for the Geek Revolution. 
Want to know more? And we're back. We want to give you something, you, the listeners of the Mount Rushmore podcast. We would like to give you an opportunity to try out something really great. Uh, for the listeners of the Mount Rushmore podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You, when you've subscribed to Audible or take the free trial, could listen to High Noon, the Hollywood blacklist in the making of an American classic by Glenn Frankel. This is about the film High Noon, which lost out to... Anybody know? Goodfellas? Goodfellas. <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's right. Scorsese went back in time. Right. I think it was the greatest show on earth. Um, but with Audible, you this Audible trial, you can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash Rushmore with over 183,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player or audio cassette player in the dashboard of your Trans Am. Oh, or where you have like the, maybe even a CD where you have to put it into the yeah. auxiliary jack or then into the yeah. tape player. Yes, yes. Uh, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash Rushmore. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Rushmore for your free audiobook. And, um, you know, we we want to thank you guys. We want to thank our producer. We would like to thank um, um, our fellow actors. You know, I don't think this podcast... Okay, uh, I'm not going to stop. I don't think this podcast is better than the other podcasts. I refuse to think that, but I want you to go to iTunes and download, rate, and review the Mount Rushmore podcast and go to Facebook. Please, please, please. It's important that we support podcasts They're sending like Jimmy this. Kimmel after oh, no. you. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, go, go to Facebook and check out Mount Rushmore podcast and on Twitter and Instagram. Okay, thank you so much. Now I'm going to walk up the wrong way. This way, no, this way, sir. Oh, this way. Oh, this. Yes. oh thank, thank you, Bimbo Starlet. Okay. Um, I love I love it. They always walk off the wrong way, and a woman in a gown uh, <laughs> with a 43 IQ has to show them the right way to go. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, there's a seat filler in my seat. Who's hitting on Jack Nicholson? All right. Sorry, guys. I was in a fugue state. Okay. I am back. I am back, and we are speaking with a gentleman who knows more about the Oscar nomination process and the award process and knows more about... Uh, can look into his crystal ball and predict the 2018, 2019, the 2020 Oscars, <laughs> and that's Eric Anderson. Eric, remind our listeners what uh, site you uh, are, are the mastermind behind. That would be awardswatch.com. Cool. And uh, is there something, if somebody is, they're not in the Oscars, you cover BAFTAs, you cover, what, what don't you cover? Oh, my God. You know, it's, it, when it's, if it's. Is it all cinema or is it? It's it Grammys? is I I, I do it I do Emmys and and Golden Globes you know for television as well uh, I'm really who's winning the who's winning the, who's winning the uh, Nickelodeon Kids Choice this year is it <laughs> oh the Rock again I assume it's the Rock <laughs> I I should do that because teens and tweens have like they're like rabid Twitter fan bases they're like crazy people and like uh. all you have to do is is like say. Ah, oh, Timothy Chalamet is going to win, and then you get like eight thousand retweets. And Michael and Richard, it's your time to jump into the game here. Okay. Uh, in 1994, the baby boomers got their revenge big time with <laughs> Force Gump, where this is just a wet dream of a movie yeah. of people reminiscing of what they think they remembered from the last thirty something years of yeah. history. Yeah. Uh, the movie I. Uh, Richard and I were arguing about this a little bit. I really like this movie. I have I have no actual qualms with this movie. I think it was um, 
visually very interesting. I think technically they did a lot of like splicing of old footage, um, tech, you know, and you know, current a- with Tom Hanks in various mm-hmm. roles. I thought that they handled all of like that was Tom Hanks. <laughs> oh my god! There you go. There you go. See, I, actually, that was another point which I think the movie would have totally failed if not for him being very his charisma, his charm, yes. his affability. Okay, but I think the movie was one of those that. that a certain voting block in a certain age could look at and be like, I relate to the emotions of all this. And yeah. then also look, there's a smiley face. Yeah. And, yeah. and look at all these things. Look at these songs. And that look, I, remember. Has, I remember Vietnam. He has to pee. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There was something about this movie that I think that captured like, uh, you had to have been there to appreciate it. Yeah. This me when I was, I don't know, 14, 16 years old. Like, I liked the movie. It was mm-hmm. fun. It was, you know, had its moments. But, like, for it to beat out Pulp Fiction is, like, kind of a travesty. Yeah. When Pulp Fiction kind of redefined how, a, a lot along the lines of, like, Goodfellas and stuff, how kind of more mature movies would be shot, would be delivered, would create a whole sense of people trying to emulate that and ape his writing style. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know, Pulp Fiction was just by far it's revolutionary yes Mm -hmm. it's a movie that like he still hasn't quite topped yet quentin tarantino is so kind of like steeped in film lore and so much of what he kind of grew up seeing and watching and you know being into in the video store like went into that that you could see how other filmmakers have also followed in that suit i know that like I, you know, someone like a, like a, a Ryan Johnson, who just made the last Star Wars movie, like he's another guy that was like just deep into film history. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that in his shot selection. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe it makes it easier with filmmakers nowadays because you have more instant access. But I think at the time, that movie when it came out, when Pulp Fiction came out, was just so revolutionary that I, I don't know, yeah. there was there was a... You know, obviously a '70s quality to it, but it sure. also felt fresh. Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, I, I'm not as big of a fan of Forrest Gump as I think you are. I think the first half with all the Zelig, like you know, inserting him into scenes, that's a lot of fun. That second half, if you, I, I watched it again recently. That second half really starts to drag, mm-hmm. like really starts to drag when yeah. he's when Jenny gets pregnant and there's that whole thing with his kid and he starts running across America. Yeah. And I think this is one of those ones. It's not. It, yes, Pulp Fiction is the one that sticks out. Like, wait a second, what happened here? But you've also got Shawshank Redemption. So, like, the most replayed movie on cable of all time. Yeah, we've got that. We've got uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, which yeah, I know the Academy doesn't like romantic comedies necessarily, but it's maybe the best romantic comedy of the '90s. You've got a really sneaky good quiz show. Yeah, which is like one of my personal just favorite favorite movies. You've got maybe the best animated Disney movie of all time with Lion King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ed Wood was that year. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's this cornucopia of great, revolutionary, unique sort of films or best of their genre type of films. Mm-hmm. And Forrest Gump just sort of feels like it feels like going to a really good gelato place and getting the vanilla gelato. <laughs> vanilla gelato is fine. I have no yeah. problem with vanilla gelato. My God, there's 20 other great flavors there. Why don't you at least try one of those? Okay. <laughs> I I would venture, this is, I, I would love to hear the opinion of our guest because it's an actual informed one. But I, as, um, I don't know your age, uh, Eric, I think you're younger than I am. 
I was a very um, I I was a big indie film fan, but I had observed Quentin Tarantino becoming the indie darling and taking credit for things that Hal Hartland, Jim Jarmusch, and other people <laughs> had done in previous films, like right. Fractured Narrative or um, transgressive characters and things like that. And I also was an aspiring filmmaker at that time and very much um, viewed Tarantino as this indie um, breakout guy. It was almost seems like he was one of the indie. So I, I imagine Hollywood was kind of saying to itself, oh, no, not again. Not him. <laughs> not, not this guy. This this punk with the Reservoir Dogs. Um, Versus Robert Zemeckis, who was this yeah. you know, very, had, had almost sort of come up in that same the you know, well, I guess he was after Ride, Easy Rider, Raging Bull, kind of. But yeah, so. but but I mean, he kind of came up in the Spielberg, yeah, the sort Spielberg of system. School, yeah, very so he much was a so. Little, mm-hmm. so very much more of a inside studio guy and someone who had a lot of, I think, respect and love within yeah. the industry. Yeah, I I do think you're right, Michael, in that a guy like Quentin Tarantino is a guy who makes films about films and Forrest Gump regardless of the fact that it compressed American popular culture of the last 50 years into a Hallmark card for each. Mm. And it almost felt like one of those time life um, CD compilations <laughs> where who, who could forget this amazing hit? Then they play run through the jungle from Freedom's Clearwater. For like Revival. 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah and, and who can forget this one? You know, um, I do think you, I do understand what you said. And it seems like uh, the, in that Hollywood often resells American values out to the public that's what it seemed to do mm. to the world. So, Eric, uh, what was your point of view? Um, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of Forrest Gump. I don't hate it. I think it's a pretty, it's, it's about as simple as its lead is. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's, there's a certain amount I think of, of draw to that for, for people. Um, but in a really kind of patronizing, like, oh, isn't that sweet kind of way, um, and that was butting up against Tarantino and against this explosion of independent cinema. And, and like you said, Zemeckis grew up in, in the ends, uh, in the Spielberg era of, of that type of filmmaking, uh, which was very traditionalist. And I mean, there, you couldn't have, uh, uh, an ex- uh, a better example of, of, uh, a fight of two movies that were so opposite uh, at, at opposite ends of the spectrum and, and with, with different, you know, focus and purpose. And one was a throwback uh, and a bit regressive, whereas the other was m- really looking forward as to what, you know, movies were going to be. Um, that was, it was an explosion for, for Miramax. It was, it was really huge for them. Uh, it was a really good decade for for Miramax, and, and Pulp Fiction was was a big part of that. Yeah, how's this decade going for for Miramax? Yeah, not so much now. <laughs> not but so yes, yes. So, um, Eric, what is your third choice? All right, it might not be very popular, but uh, Unforgiven over uh, the Crying Game. Ooh, oh, interesting. Wow. Okay, and I, I, I again, want, I want to hear this one. Unforgiven is a really, really good film. It's a really strong film, um, and it's not. It's not that I don't like it. Um, it, it just was, for me, uh, an example of, of a movie that was much more progressive and uh, 
could have been a bitter a bigger statement choice um and they opted for something much safer and and in their their wheelhouse uh and again another actor turned director um and it's you'll 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 see these pop up so much it's it's almost uh alarming uh how much you see that i mean argo just a couple of years ago too um where you 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 have to imagine that there's a certain element of of that that is a a big deal um but like i said it's unforgiven is a really strong movie and i i I don't make that choice just to simply ding it sure um i just i i personally like crying game more um i thought it it gave us a tremendous uh debut even though jay davison did almost nothing after that very little after that basically Uh, stargate right yes uh but there's i I like that sometimes i like when you have somebody that just breaks through and then just kind of disappears and goes away that would would be actually be a great uh mount rushmore category for us to go into one and done yeah Yeah. it would be see i i i look at this and i i'm not I guess not to disagree. I think the real travesty was that Jay Davidson didn't win Best Actor or Best Supporting Actor that year. First yes. off, he should have been nominated for Best Actor. The fact that they nominated him for Supporting is kind of ridiculous. And then the fact that he didn't win Best Supporting Actor when, my God, what you have to go, you know, what what he had to portray throughout the course of that movie, not just even the the gender, you know, reveal or the gender things that happen in the movie. Spoiler alert, guys. <laughs> um, but but also just 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 the role itself. I mean, it, it's a very dramatic role. Even if even if that even if the big the big reveal had never happened and the character had just been played as a, as a female character through the movie, it's still a very dramatic and heavy role, especially for someone who'd never acted before to to pull off. Eric, do you think a movie like Unforgiven falls into the same sort of category or feeling the way that Chicago does? Where, like you kind of brought up earlier, like no Academy Award for Best Picture uh, for a musical came between Oliver and Chicago, mm-hmm. in the same way that like Unforgiven was like a real life or, or was like a a new Western when kind of the Western genre had fallen away, and there hadn't been like a great like I can't remember you know big westerns at the time. If not, they were all kind of comedies or you know kind of. Every few years, they try to like, oh, this is going to be the, the relaunch of the, the Western. There'd be like Silverado. Right. Or some other like Western, and it wouldn't do that well. Or, or like the uh, Dueling Wyatt Earp uh, movies, I think, were just before that. Or just after. Yeah, I wonder, or just if, after, I wonder if a movie like this had all of like the history built into Clint Eastwood as being a big Western star. And he had the gravitas around it and had the just the weight of, you know, it, and it being a, a good picture, too. Like the... The weight to carry it to be a competent director to put together a adult western movie for a new world. I wonder if how much of that kind of pushed it over the uh, finish line. I, I, th- I think it absolutely did for for the exact reasons that you mentioned. Um, even though Dances with Wolves was a few years before, and it sometimes gets classified as a western, it's not really a western. Um, in the sense that Unforgiven is. And absolutely, it was this this sort of uh, uh, throwback 
uh, because that wasn't the type of movies that were being made, much less, you know, won Oscars. Um, so uh, the, the, the choice behind it is, is very clear. There's, it's not, uh, it's not a, a mystery or even strange at, at all. Um, I, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I remember at the time believing that, um, believing that Clint Eastwood was getting his, hey, I'm a nice old man who's been playing cowboys uh, for a long t- time and don't I deserve something for it? And, and he was really, he was only 62 then, but he seemed like he was 92 It felt to like me. a valedictory, one of those valedictory, like, career, like, congratulations. Yeah. And then it turned out he had, he's still making movies. Yeah, he's still going. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's, guys. I was just going to mention something real quick. It, yes. it, is, it is really interesting, though, that the when you look at, at something like what we just talked about, Pulp Fiction and, and Crying Game, is that each of those movies were pretty clearly like the number two of that year and they each got the same sort of consolation prize of the original screenplay oscar which is very very much like the academy's way of saying we really really like you we just didn't (laughs) like you the best and it it happens a lot (laughs) or at least used to uh gentlemen so we are going into our fourth round this is the final round Guys, um, guys, if this was a film, maybe it's one of those Rocky films where you guys are on the ropes getting beaten horribly. So you have this opportunity to maybe at least win best performance, if not best picture, by coming back and taking a swing. And I say that because our uh, very, very knowledgeable and very, very articulate uh, Eric Anderson has been uh, putting you up on the ropes and giving you old robot <laughs> I feel like that. And do you want to take a guess what our last uh, choice is, having gone through all of that? Oh, is it? <laughs> wow. Is it um, Raging Bull? No, it's Rocky. Rocky. It's Rocky. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It, I, wow. I Jeff, thought Rocky, and then I thought maybe that's too Jeff, easy. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff did not do that whole setup because he was he was leading into this. You didn't send him the picks beforehand, did you? No, I did oh, not. No, no. Okay. That's pretty wild. Um, yeah, Rocky. What, um, 1976. What a depressing time for films. In or America. America. Huh, I wonder what that's like. Yeah, we're going through <laughs> the bicentennial, but really everything is garbage. Um, New York City is burning to the ground on a daily basis. We're just past Watergate. We can't trust the government anymore. Um, and no, this, we didn't know those were the good times. Yeah. Look, looking back in retrospect. Yeah. Um, but this movie Rocky comes along, a true underdog story in every sense of the word, the actual literal story itself, and then the story of how this movie got made, how Sylvester Stallone couldn't find a role for himself, so he essentially wrote himself a role. Um, and it's a fine film. Look, I'm not. this is one of those ones where I'm not here to talk smack about Rocky at yeah. all. It's, it's a great little film. Um, but... We mentioned the Oliver years being a year with really great movies. Here are the other movies that were were nominated in uh, in Rocky's year: All the President's Men, Network, Taxi Driver, and also Bound for Glory, which is a Woody Guthrie biopic, and also Man to Fill to Earth and Marathon Man were both that year. But just that those other nominees that is a murderer's row of film nominees. <laughs> and it's just to me, it's it's it. That goes to show that the era that, a, or even the year, that a movie is is nominated can have such an impact 
on what the eventual outcome is. You mentioned that, I think, with Oliver, that if it had been a few years later, probably the voting would have gone quite differently. I mean, this is a movie where Rocky literally wraps himself in an, in an American flag at the end of the film. You've got Apollo Creed with all of his bicentennial shorts, and we're in the bicentennial, and we're trying to find something good to feel about America. Mm-hmm. And that's sure not Taxi Driver. No. And that's sure not Network. And that's, you know... It, it, we, we, we tend to look at, I think, the best picture as being... It, it is something that, that sort of transcends... We, we look at it as something that transcends the era or when it was made that it's going to be something that's a, a landmark that's going to stand for generations. And Eric, you mentioned sort of the legacy that a movie has. And I think this kind of goes to show a little bit that sometimes these movies win or don't win for very specific re- reasons that are based on just whatever was happening in the country or, or in film or whatever that year. I heard something on, I think it was the Bill Simmons podcast, but it was either his or he was on someone else's podcast. And he was talking about an idea he had, which was the five-year moratorium for the Academy Awards, where you have to wait five years before something can be oh, yeah. nominated in the same way that, like, if you're trying to get into, like, the Hall of Fame of any given sports, yeah. uh, you know, whether it's uh, baseball or basketball, like, they give you a five-year buffer before mm-hmm. you can go in and say, okay, now let's really take a look at these movies. If you had to go back... Five years later from 1976 and look back and say, okay, now, really, which one should have won? Yeah. It obviously probably, not obviously, but it most likely would have gone to another film. The same way that Crash, if you were in 2010 and looked back at 2005, were like, yeah, we, we, I don't know what we were, what glasses we were on. We were just, you know, it was a couple of years out of 9-11. Mm-hmm. We were just, <laughs> we just we're just looking all for, screwed up. We're yeah. just trying to do. We, we didn't know what we're doing. You had to give us. We'd been drinking a lot, guys. <laughs> yeah. So I I wonder if like Rocky kind of has that just immediacy of it. You know, the underdog finally winning, even though he doesn't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what's interesting? That I do feel like there was Rocky does not evidence overtly the um, the the antihero, the hero who wins by losing. But we've seen that hero in movies that came out um, years before. Uh, Chinatown, um, Godfather Part Two, um, Lenny, um, Dog Day Afternoon. Um, all these films had this, not an, if not an anti-hero, a hero who uh, doesn't win, but uh, they, the obje- objective, they don't win the plot, but they win the B. You know, essentially, they, they lose in the A story, but they win in the B story. And so Rocky is that way too. Really, he doesn't. Right. He he has a moral victory, but not a boxing victory. <laughs> well, um, and you could say that about Taxi Driver has that mm-hmm. classic anti hero, yeah. or even yeah. Network is much in the same way. Where, like I said, it, it's 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 not ending. Rocky is able, to, but I think the difference is Rocky is able to frame that not just as a moral victory, but it so it actually feels like a victory. Yeah. And you know what percentage of Americans probably believe Rocky actually won the first fight. That's like right. probably what, how it plays in their memory. Mm-hmm. And I partially, I also wonder if our perception of Rocky, the first movie, is... Tainted by... By everything sequels. that came <laughs> after that. Yeah. I mean, is it the fact that Rocky is now so much part of the vernacular that like we remember it more fondly than we should? Or is it that it, it looks better than it should because we saw Rocky yeah. 4, Rocky 5, and how ridiculous yeah. the series became? It does seem like if... if um, 
Al Pacino in his Michael Corleone character opened up the Olive Garden and started to sell pasta. (laughs) 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 It almost seemed like that that would be the equivalent of to the extent to which he sold out that character. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, Well, I think that's why all of these all of these things completely exist inside the the bubble of whatever it was happening at that time. And yeah, yeah, you can go five and 10 years down and go, well, maybe it shouldn't have won or maybe I would have voted differently. But you're a different person now than you were in 1976 when you voted for Rocky. Uh, so it's I, I, I think I think it's it's crucial to look at, like, like you said, what was going on in the country. Uh, and it's it's kind of a surprise now looking at it that going for something uh, like that over Taxi Driver or Network or All the President's Men uh, at, at that time, uh, which were bigger, more important uh, issue-based movies. Um, and that instead, there was sort of this, okay, we also just got out of the Vietnam War, and we just want something to feel good about. And, and there is a... Uh, a total rose-colored uh, lenses version of, of, of Rocky. Uh, like you said, that's like, if, if the, the immediate thing you think of and, and that's in the vernacular is, is that, that he's a winner, that he comes from behind and, and underdog and all of these things, even though he actually isn't. <laughs> but that's, that is how ingrained it is in the psyche and in this country and, and that you can, you can, uh, take any myriad of situations where you know you might be down and out or somebody else's and immediately somebody is there to pull out a uh, a rocky metaphor for it and it's it's again it's a legacy thing that's something that has lasted this entire time and rocky at least as a winner even though it kind of looks a little odd is something that hasn't been perceived as that negative even in light of you know Stallone's career after that but it's it's still such a well-liked movie but it's it 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 totally existed in 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 that time so before we uh go to you Eric to tell us your final choice I'd like to ask the the group here are we being unfair to the Academy Awards and the committee to actually make <laughs> choices that will stand the test of time. It is their job, but are they so um, embedded, as Eric said, in the now that if we were to ask um, anybody to rate the top four or the top given baseball players or the top anything of a given time, is that unfair? Is it unfair to hold it to this criticism? Or Obviously, we're doing it for entertainment. Right. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think what I think what we've I think what what we need to remember is these are individuals voting for their own very specific individual reasons, mm-hmm. and we tend to want to think of them voting as a how were the voters as a giant block thinking in any given year, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that you can draw some some sort of conclusions, and there are probably some trends that are likely, but just as likely somebody you know didn't vote for taxi driver because Martin Scorsese stiffed him on a bill at a restaurant. 
right. five <laughs> years ago. I mean, who knows? Yeah. You don't, you don't know what the reasons are somebody votes for something I mean, versus may- some, some, maybe, something else. Maybe Scorsese um, had sent some uh, emails or kept them on a server yes. in the wrong way. <laughs> yes. And uh, they made a whole hullabaloo about it yes. and then ruined the next they, four they years. Did, they didn't have email in 77. Crooked Scorsese. Basically, uh, yeah, of course I should be held accountable. Pick the right <laughs> movie. What is that? All right, so Eric, before you tell us your final um, choice for uh, movies that uh, maybe shouldn't have won the Academy Award for Best Picture, are you going to let us know your prediction for this year's Best Picture? Oh my God, uh, I, I I will yes, uh, even though it's uh, it's it's still so up in the air, uh, and it, it it's shouldn't. not up in the air, is it? Oh wait, oh, that already that already happened. No, it up. Yeah, it it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, but I, I I have to go with with more than than just you know what one BAFTA what one SAG, um, it's we're we're entering a very different era of of predicting, um, and that's why I think just a sidebar why doing something like this is really really fun, uh, and that you know even though I say you know Crash didn't deserve to win over Brokeback Mountain, it's the thing that's really kind of cool about this is that I think what we're really doing is more examining the, the, the hows and the whys. And in order for me to do what I'm doing now, I have this, I have to do this. I have to look at things uh, like we're doing right now and go, okay, so why did this? What were the, what were the reasons? And to be able to look backwards at this helps me look forward in maybe a mindset of, of what's, of what's happening now. And that's what I, that's what I would do this year. Um, that's, and yeah. So as far as what I think is going to win, it will buck, you know, 84 years of, of, of history to do it. But I think get out is going to win. Okay. Whoa. So finally a, uh, something in the thriller genre will actually break a genre film will actually break through. Well, the first since Silence of the Lambs, yeah. If we want to, yeah, that's a, but that's a, you well, know, I guess you're probably right. Yeah, shut up, Richard. Okay, I'm shutting up. <laughs> Eric, thank I'm, you so I'm, much. I'm going to eat some cheese and crackers yeah. in the back for a second. Thank you so much for your, uh, your guesstimate and prediction about what uh, the uh, Oscar winner for Best Picture will be in first 2017. And now we'd love to hear your final choice in the Mount Rushmore of movies that maybe shouldn't have won Best Picture Oscar. Okay, then I will go with Gladiator. Oh, okay. What what makes you say that, or what do you think should have won? Um, first choice, Traffic. Second choice, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I would have flipped the two that year, but I, th- I think you're on the right track with this. And 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 this is. Uh, again, sort of one of those like, what a what a total throwback, uh, a sword and sandal movie winning in two thousand, you know, instead of in the fifties and sixties, uh, it was it was just such a throwback win, uh, and uh, just not that good of a movie. So, it it there was there was more there was more to be gained. I thought from. Uh, a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, winning, um, or or even traffic as a as a style of film, and as taking somebody like Steven Soderbergh, who really just completely 
opened up independent film in the mid 80s and kind of giving him his due uh, for this because that that happened with like uh, the Coen brothers uh, when they finally won for No Mm. Country for Old Men where they had, you know, created this couple of decades of just incredibly fantastic independent film and then had their like Oscar breakthrough. And I sort of feel like Traffic should have been uh, Soderbergh's Oscar breakthrough. Well, here's here's what's fascinating about this, that choice for me, is that Gladiator is the type of giant spectacle film that the Academy, we've talked about, kind of loves. And it's even a throwback to some of the, you know, classic kind of a cat and call it Oscar bait sort of films. But it didn't win Best Director. It was, nope. Steven, Sod- it was Steven Soderbergh who won Best Director. Yeah. So it feels like, you know, we're in 2000. We've, we've, the, the indie revolution has happened for a few years, and Soderbergh is, is sort of the, was it the vanguard of that? And you can almost look at the way this voting broke down as sort of a, a push and pull between those two worlds, where, you know, a very, very sort of classical sort of film like Gladiator wins Best Picture. But there's also this acknowledgement that, wait, when it comes to the actual directing, it, we, we, there needs to be some sort of reckoning for you know what Soderbergh was able to accomplish with with this, and maybe that's not a split that would have happened ten years ago. Ten years ago, it would have just been Ridley Scott winning for Gladiator, and it probably would have won you know twelve, thirteen awards and and been seen as this all time great movie. Yeah, it's it's one of the things I do like though is is a year like that where things are a little spread out. And, and it's not necessarily a gigantic sweep, you know, like a Lord of the Rings style sweep where there was clearly uh, uh, just so much on the table to, to choose from and that, that, that there wasn't, it wasn't just one thing that, that, that people loved. I, I like that. And also my dog Skip was that year. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So I think we had a good time looking back. Um, looking forward, Eric, what will your evening be like on the evening of the Academy Awards? Are you going to be going to a big watch party or will you be live tweeting or will there be a social media platform that people can follow you on? <laughs> It'll be all of those things, actually. Um, OK, I am. Uh, I'm flying to, to Washington, D.C. for a watch party with some friends Uh so there will yes it will be that it will be lots of live tweeting it will be uh lots of screaming i think we only have one television <laughs> so i don't think i can throw any food at the tv but... <laughs> well but it sounds like that. a good time and i think you'd be a great person to go to a watch party with with all your knowledge and um <laughs> all, all, all the effort and interests that you have uh in it so uh thank you so much for being our guest um it's not a law that the guest who on comes on Mount Rushmore podcast and challenges our um, home team wins, but it sure has happened a lot, and I don't think it's going to change <laughs> this time around because can't of, the music play Jeff off yeah. now before he gets to the part where he rips our hearts out? I'll, I will I will say um, that you'll both get a point for 2005 crash beating Brokeback Mountain, so that's a point for Michael and Richard and a point for Eric. And then uh, I'd like to give Eric a point for um, Unforgiven, 1992. And then I'd like to give Eric a point for 1990, Dances with Wolves over Goodfellas. 
And then Eric gets one for Gladiator. So wow. Eric, your genre pictures uh, and <laughs> have beat the heck out of these guys. So a clean sweep. Wow, a clean sweep. I, I believe our choice has won a couple of the technical awards. Oh, that's right. Possibly the best, the best, cost, best, best costume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, the hosts for those technicals. And ladies and gentlemen, Carl Malden, the host of the technical no, awards. No, usually it's, get, it's like get, Jack Black. Yeah. No, or, or a very attractive female. Yeah. Um, who they because women can't know anything about technical yes. stuff. It's always very that's very painful whenever they do that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, all right. So thanks again, Eric. Oh, so thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Appreciate your knowledge and expertise that you uh, and the gravitas you give to this topic. We appreciate it. And once again, tell people your uh, um, where they can find you on the internet. Uh, absolutely, come to awardswatch.com. Uh, I. It's getting really close to the Oscars, so every day is going to be some hair pulling and, and what's going to win and is it going to be today or tomorrow, and, and all of that is changing. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at awards underscore watch and then also Facebook and Instagram just at awards watch. Cool. All right, you have been listening to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Hi, as always, I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 